What's up, Dale? Good. How are you? Doing all right. How'd you uh, like that super wild card Sunday? What are your just first impressions takeaway? First impressions were uh, I expected a couple more closer games, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. But, you know, wild card weekend, I think, you know, it really separates the the good teams from the teams that, you know, may have just gotten lucky or a couple other teams that have slipped out that didn't make the playoffs. You know, those Mm -hmm. those few teams that come in just pretty much almost as replacements, you know, kind of. But the Eagles. There weren't any surprises. I I predicted this this Dallas this Dallas loss. Mm-hmm. Um, not the way that they lost though. I don't really think you can predict that way with no. all the penalties and obviously the controversy. But you know, I don't even feel mm-hmm. bad for the Cowboys. You know that the Lions have gone through multiple you know scenarios in that situation. Mm-hmm. I don't even feel bad for the Cowboys. You know, you had fourteen penalties in the game. Uh, it didn't go down to that one single play in my eyes. yeah no. But we'll definitely talk about that later. Uh, we got obviously a welcome to episode number ninety of Dylan Al talking about today is Tuesday, January nineteenth. Uh, Super Wild Card Weekend is behind us. We had six games. Uh, we had what was it? Two Saturday, three Sunday, and then we mm-hmm. had uh, our first ever Monday Night Football playoff game. Mm-hmm. So that was uh, pretty exciting. Um, so we'll break down all six of those games. We'll get you ready for Divisional Weekend, and then for our final segment today, we're gonna do a little something a little different. We're gonna uh, highlight. I highlighted about three or four different candidates for head coaching positions, mm-hmm. and um, you know where 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 could they fit? You know, some back a little bit of background on them and why I think that they all four of these guys that I'm gonna mention deserve to have an NFL head coaching job. I believe. Mm-hmm. But let's lead it off with Super Wildcard Weekend Review. Our first game on Saturday afternoon was from Cincinnati. We had the Bengals and we had the Raiders. It was the Bengals 26, the Raiders 19. I'm going to let you lead off. What do you think about this game? Some controversy, obviously, with the officiating crew, but it was just a great job by Joe Burrow to get a uh, playoff home win. Mm-hmm. This was, you know, the game I expected. I expected the Raiders to put up a good fight, but I predicted the Bengals coming out on top. They've beaten the Chiefs, you know, earlier in the year. They've beaten, you know, some good teams. They've also lost to other teams on the other mm-hmm. side of the playoff side. So this this team I knew could be in contention. Um, and the Raiders, I felt like they kind of got, you know, a little lucky. They had a really bad season off the field. They had a pretty good year on the field with, you know, a few, you know, games where they they lost it. But this game, I just felt like the Bengals were going to take this. Derek Carr did what he does on that last drive. And, uh, you know, it, it upsets me to know that the Chargers didn't make it because I, I, I wanted to see them and just wish, still, you know, wishing they could have tied in that final uh, week 18 week finale. And uh, I don't know the Raiders it's, it sucks to see their season end after, you know, the season they've had for me though, it's just a win that they made it to the playoffs mm-hmm. because they, they had, this was like their super bowl to be honest, because the, the off the field stuff was one thing the on the field, you're obviously missing players, but then you've got a whole new coach, you know? So on the field, the communication, that stuff, they had to get all that worked out. They had to really, you know, I think the Raiders can be a really good team next year. Mm-hmm. Depending yeah. on who they get for a head coach, I, th- I honestly believe that they can win I think they're, games next year. They've got a good shot to get, you know. the, the Some of the better uh, candidates have, you know, been rumored to go to, you know, Las Vegas. And so it, it, it seems to me that, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, this was kind of their Super Bowl. This is as yeah. far as I saw them going. They – I. To be honest, if they would have, you know, matched up with maybe like a Patriots team here, or obviously a Steelers team, they could have made it to round two, but they weren't a legitimate candidate in my eyes. 
No, and, and everybody's head coaching favorite for the Raiders is a guy that that is in Ann Arbor. And mm-hmm. from what I saw on Saturday night, I, I don't think he's going to leave, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it was, it was a good game. Uh, went down to the final drive, as everybody wants a playoff game to go down to. Derek Carr gets him down in the red zone, fourth and goal. He just – he throws an interception, and that's almost, you know, the story. You know, Derek Carr, he reminds me a lot of Matthew Stafford. You know, the fourth mm-hmm. quarter comebacks, the heroics, the story that he – you know, every, always being doubted and everything, being on a team, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, Derek Carr is probably another one of those guys that probably could succeed if he ever left Las Vegas, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just a tough way for him to lose. Burrow, in his first playoff game, though, played amazing. 24-34, 244 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Mixon really was held in check on the ground. He only had 48 rushing yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jamar Chase had a pretty good game. Nine grabs, 116. Did not score, though. Uh, C.J. Uzama and Tyler Boyd picked up the two touchdowns for the Cincinnati Bengals. Derek Carr had 310 passing yards. Uh, the touchdown and then the one interception I did mention on the last drive pretty much just sealed the deal uh, with about 30 seconds or so left in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, they really should have relied more on Josh Jacobs in this game. Only 13 touches on the ground for 83 yards. You know, if they if they give him, you know, Elijah Mitchell had 27 carries for the 49ers on Sunday mm-hmm. in that game against Dallas. If Jacobs has 20 carries, they probably win this game, I think. It, uh, it definitely Waller. came down to that. Darren Waller had had an all right game, you know, for Darren Waller's, you know, perspective. Uh, seven grabs, 76 yards. Zay Jones scores the only touchdown for the Raiders. Um, a lot of controversy in this game. Uh, especially with the the referee crew uh, led by Jerome Boger, who is one of the veteran officials in the NFL, and that's obviously why they you know gave him an assignment for a playoff game. Mm-hmm. Uh, they his crew blew the play dead on a touchdown that still counted. That really didn't make any sense. I, I didn't get to watch the game, so I really I'm still kind of cloudy on what happened. I really mm-hmm. haven't watched any videos on it. Um, but and then the the one play I did hear about, there were four flags thrown on one play, mm-hmm. and then they did that just to call a timeout on the field, which I didn't think made much sense. Uh, but the Bengals and Titans next week is going to be really fun, especially if one uh, Derrick Henry is available to play. Mm-hmm. All right, that's going to move us on to our second of the uh, six games, our last Saturday night game. We had the Bills and the Patriots, 47-17. to What an absolute blowout. I don't think anybody could have predicted this. I was expecting a close game. I know you thought the Patriots, I think, were going to win this game on the mm-hmm. road. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. They got absolutely ran out of the building. Buffalo was mm-hmm. going absolutely insane. What were your thoughts on this game? Uh, I uh, I thought the Patriots were a better team than I, I guess they were this year. I had a little more faith in Belichick to come up with a scheme, and especially the way, you know, the first matchup went down with them really. I, f- I felt like for at least a week or two, they kind of broke the bills after that, you know, matchup. Josh Allen, I believe, got hurt in that game, was limping a little bit at the end. Um, This was an absolute, you know, this is what you want to do in playoff Week one, they score the most points out of any team, even more than the Chiefs, who is their opponent in the upcoming week. You score seven times in mm-hmm. your first seven drives. It's insane. They put on a clinic. That's the best word I could put. Um, Dawson Knox, two touchdowns. I think just cemented himself as one of the you know tight ends that really emerged this year. And we talked you know early in the year when we did player spotlight, and he he got hot, and we talked about him multiple you know times. Um, two touchdowns in this one. Gabe Davis has been phenomenal, really stepping up in place of, you know, Cole Beasley's had a bit of a down year, in my opinion. Emmanuel Sanders went healthy as, you know, been good. He got a touchdown in this game. But Gabe Davis is definitely a guy I would say is your number two of the future. Um, And then Tommy Doyle, you know, finds the end zone for the fifth receiving touchdown. Josh Mm -hmm. Allen, just absolute, you know, 
incredible game from him. Exactly what he needs to do in the playoffs if they want to beat the Chiefs and, you know, avenge kind of their AFC championship loss last season. They came so close. And everyone, I mean, everyone last year was like, this team was, had a legitimate shot. I think a lot of people, including myself, have really doubted them this year. Mm -hmm. But this game showed me that, okay, I'm not going to completely commit to Kansas City yet. Yeah, but the you know the one thing that we got to talk about you know and uh, we'll talk about it a little bit during when we break down this Bills and Chiefs game coming up here on Sunday is mm-hmm. you know you have Josh Allen he, he obviously yes he, he had a great game he threw five mm-hmm. touchdowns against the Patriots Patriots defense you know it's it's not as good as mm-hmm. it's not as good as it usually has been over the mm-hmm. years but I mean um, you look at it okay Stephon Diggs wasn't involved in this game that much mm-hmm. he, he didn't have a touchdown he he had a couple targets and he made some plays sixty game, yards or something sixty yards yeah which is not, you know, not really what you're expecting from your number one player when you score mm-hmm. 47 points. But, you know, if he steps up against Kansas City, you mentioned guys like Dawson Knox. Dawson Knox has had games where he goes away. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Cole Beasley. He, he hasn't been the Cole Beasley he was last year. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I read off that list of stats and everything. that he, At one point last year, he had more, you know, yards up to the catch than Tyree Kill. Mm-hmm. And he had more touchdowns than Julio Jones, you know, at one point in December uh, in 2020. Mm-hmm. And then you mentioned that when, Gabe, or when Emmanuel Sanders was healthy, He's good, but when he's you know not, he's not existent. So that's my mm-hmm. problem for this matchup is, is if Josh Allen only has Stephon Diggs, who who's going to step up? I mean, mm-hmm. is anybody going to really step up? Mm-hmm. And that could be the reason why this could be you know it could be a blowout, or if those guys step up, it could be a close game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but back to this game here, I really didn't expect this to be honest with you. I expected this to be one of the closer games of the wild card weekend. Uh, what a statement by Buffalo! I mean, Josh Allen twenty one to twenty five. 308 yards and five touchdowns to add on to 66 yards. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had more touchdowns than he had incompletions in this ball game. Mm. It was 21 to nothing or 20 to nothing before New England even blinked. Mac Jones threw that interception right after the Bills went down to score to start the game. Mm-hmm. It was pretty much over from the jump. I mean, the offensive linemen even going out there and, and catching a touchdown, that's how you know that you're rolling. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the Dawson Knox two touchdowns, Manuel Sanders, Gabe Davis score. Uh, Devin Singletary even had two rushing touchdowns. Uh, mm-hmm. 24 for 38 for two touchdowns and two picks for Mac Jones. Damian Harris, who's been a big part in their wins. He was only held to 30 yards. Kendrick Bourne scoring both touchdowns passing. Uh, yeah, we're going to have a good one next Sunday. Bills and uh, Chiefs. Mm-hmm. All right, first game of the Sunday window was the Bucks and the Eagles. Uh, Bucks 31, Eagles 15. The score really didn't tell the, the really dictate the story of the game. Uh, what were your thoughts on this pretty easy win for the Bucks? Uh, I think it was... 17-0, 24-0, something like that. Mm-hmm. I turned At it back time, on. I believe, yeah. Yeah. Turned it, I turned it back on. It was 31-8, I think. Um, and I was like, oh, okay. Turn it back on again. It's 15-31. Just, you know, too late. And also, the Bucks, you know, they didn't really need to do much at the end of the game. They play, They pretty much had this one, you know, in the first quarter, in my opinion. Um, I, I didn't think the Eagles would put up much of a fight. Um, and this is one of them, I just feel the score does not really dictate this mm-hmm. game. It was more like 31, and then in the in the last, you know... I think they scored all the points in the fourth quarter. I, I believe so. In, in the last, you know, 10 minutes, the the Eagles stringed together 15 points. Literally, first quarter, Bucks score 14, then they score three in the second. And the third quarter, they come out score fourteen. So at that point, going into the fourth quarter, they're just making sure that the Eagles don't score thirty-one. 
they already put up, you know, all the points they need. So it just comes down to the Eagles, you know, not having enough time, maybe being a little too young. Miles Sanders was not involved nearly to what I would have thought, you know, after, you know, still dealing with the injury too, unfortunately. Definitely. I didn't realize Kenneth Gainwell was a rookie this year. Mm -hmm. He's, he's been a surprise, I would say. Um, rookie wise Dallas Goddard is incredible and I'm excited to see him I think he can have one of the best tight end seasons next year I think he had one this year as well just a little maybe you know less talked about being on a team like the Eagles who frankly a lot Granted, of people... I mean him and Ertz were st- him and Ertz were sharing playing time for half the season too mm-hmm. before it got traded definitely Goddard uh I think his production allowed the Eagles to make that trade Knowing, you know, he's basically like a Zach Ertz. They, they play very similar to me. Um, so knowing, you know, you basically have identical guys trading one, I guess probably was a little bit e- easier for the Eagles there, making that decision instead of just creating a giant hole in a mm-hmm. team that already is, you know, pretty thin. Besides Devonta Smith, I don't know really. I think Watkins has had a couple good games. But beyond that, I really don't know who Jalen Hurts really can go to besides Goddard and Smith. I mean, yeah, he, he doesn't really have much. Jalen Rager, uh, mm-hmm. there's a lot of guys. I, I feel like Jalen Rager is one of the most hated players on the Philadelphia Eagles. He kind of mm-hmm. reminds me of when um, Nelson Aguilar was out there dropping passes mm-hmm. a couple years ago. Um, Jalen Rager obviously mucked a punt in this game. I believe he dropped a pass or two in this game. Mm-hmm. But the real turning point in this game, it was it was 10 nothing in the second quarter and uh, Hertz throws that he forces that ball to Devontae Smith mm-hmm. and it was intercepted, I believe near the end zone, if not in the end zone. And then the fourth and 10 that they, they ran where um, I believe Hertz got sacked in the second quarter. Those mm-hmm. were the two plays, you know, if you convert one of those two plays, if you hit that pass to Smith, you know, half a second earlier, it's a 10, seven game at the half. And we mm-hmm. we're talking about a whole different story. Bucks. Yes. Granted, probably still going to win the game, but it would have been a little closer. Mm-hmm. But I mean, as I mentioned, you know, the score doesn't tell the story. The game is thirty-one nothing after three. The Eagles score two late touchdowns, get a two-pointer. Uh, Brady twenty-nine to thirty-seven, two seventy-one, two touchdowns. Uh, Keyshawn Vaughn and Gio Bernard both scored mm-hmm. rushing touchdowns. Uh, Keyshawn Vaughn fifty-three yards. Gio Bernard had forty-four on the ground. Evans had a typical game, you know, nine for one seventeen and a score. Gronk found the end zone. Mentioned Jalen Hurts has chances, you know, through the late first half interception. He went twenty-three of thirty or forty-three. Mm-hmm. 58, one touchdown, did throw another interception to add on to two picks. Uh, Devontae Smith was only held to 60 yards. Uh, dude, man, we got a heavyweight division weekend coming up. Rams and Bucks. Three. Of, the Sunday window is going to be incredible. You have the Bucks mm-hmm. and the Rams, and then you have the Bills and the Chiefs that close it out on Sunday night, which is going to be incredible. Mm-hmm. All right, moving on here to probably the most entertaining game of the wildcard weekend, which I really didn't expect out of the six games for this one to be the most entertaining out of all of them. It was the 49ers 23 and the Cowboys 17. The only road team to win on Wild Card Weekend was the San Francisco 49ers. How do you think they got it done? Mm. I uh, I think it was definitely some of the calls that were made during this game. But at the same time, the Cowboys had a couple calls go their way early on that I felt like were a little bit unwarranted. And, and, and maybe we're just trying to give the Cowboys a little bit more of a chance because realistically – they got lucky to even have that last 40 seconds. It came on a penalty that they even got that last drive. Now, Dak Prescott running up the middle of the field was – no It made no sense, and it was mostly, I think, due to – so they, they, they go for the first couple – I think it's like three plays. They get out each of those plays. And watching those plays, each play 
on average took about four seconds, right? Get out of bounds. Then you have about 14 seconds left, I believe. Dak Prescott lines up. The reason they were getting those 49ers were just not covering the sideline. It seemed yeah. like they were covering the middle of the field. Mm-hmm. On that play, when it, when they set that next one up, 49ers moved their coverage to, you know, to cover more. So Dak, Dak had to run through – or Dak, they would have had to be more in the middle. He didn't but have that, to run. He didn't have to. It was, I think it was the worst play. I think you go – you take two shots, you know, not necessarily to the end zone, but mm-hmm. get a big chunk and then go. Yeah. I, I thought it was dumb. And then the problem is, you know, the refs got to come and set that ball up. Otherwise, you could just, you know, put it wherever. I, mm-hmm. I was enraged that, you know, he was in the way at first, but realistically – it makes sense, and the rules are the rules. And and and, and for, unfortunately, in this situation, Dak Prescott, he's got to you know know the rules. That's what separates winning quarterbacks. Like, you know, Tom Brady, he's I think he's a master of knowing you know the situation yep. and knowing how to do that, and probably comes with experience. I think this one's going to be something that you know Cowboys fans are heard about for a while. But I like you said, I don't feel bad as a Lions fan. We got screwed by the Cowboys multiple times. We you know. The Cowboys are always winning and getting lucky, you know, and it, it was good. I'm not a 49ers or a Cowboys fan, to be honest, but it was really good to see the 49ers win this one, especially being the underdogs and just, you know, everyone was talking about this is a better team than we think. Well, everyone was talking about the Cowboys as one of the best teams. So mm-hmm. now what does that say about the 49ers? Yeah. I mean, they came from 17 nothing down in L.A. last week just to get into the situation. Mm-hmm. And then you hold off, a, you know, a 16-point comeback in the fourth quarter by the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. You're going to Green Bay next week. That could be an interesting game. You played them very tough uh, very early in the season. It took a Aaron Rodgers, you know, miracle drive down the field to get a game-winning field goal. Mm-hmm. To, to end up beating, you know, the 49ers way back early in the season. And that was when, you know, Green Bay was really clicking and the, the Niners were struggling a little bit. Mm-hmm. And the 49ers are probably, I would say, the third hottest team right now out of the six that are – or out of the eight that are left, probably. Mm-hmm. But, you know, going back to that whole thing, you know, it could have been avoided. I mentioned the 14 penalties at the beginning of the show. Pardon me. Prescott really wasn't playing good until that last, you know, 12 minutes of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's this whole controversial thing. It's almost like it's on Dak Prescott too. You watch receivers like Mike Evans and Devontae Adams. They will hand the ball to the referee. The mm-hmm. referee can spot the ball, then they can get it down and spike. If Prescott just held on to the ball, handed it to an official, probably could have gotten that playoff and gotten a Hail Mary. Um, even even if you ran the ball for seven or eight yards instead of he ran it probably for sixteen, they mm-hmm. probably could have gotten that playoff in time. Yeah, granted, the umpire should have been running up to the ball before that. He shouldn't have had to run from 30 yards away. But, mm-hmm. you know, there could have been three or four other scenarios that could have completely had this had the situation being avoided. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, they had a 27-3 or 23-7 lead uh, San Francisco did with about 12 minutes ago. Dallas, you know, they kept shooting themselves in the foot on penalties. 14, I mentioned. I think they had one point. They had three first downs on that final drive for the 49ers. And two of them were on third down penalties, mm-hmm. which really cost the Cowboys down the stretch. Got 23 or 43, 254, a touchdown and a pick. Uh, Zeke, he didn't play that good. 12 carries, 31 yards. Uh, found out that after the game, he was playing with a slightly torn PCL for most of the season. Mm. So that could explain, obviously, you know, the struggles that he had down the stretch. Um, with that being said, I don't understand why your, your, your second string back is only getting six touches in the game with Tony mm-hmm. Pollard. It makes no sense to me. CeeDee Lamb only has one catch, mm-hmm. and that catch didn't come until the fourth quarter, I believe, on the last drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amari Cooper, six for 64 and a touchdown. Garoppolo didn't have the best game, really, 16 to 25, 172 yards, did not throw for a touchdown, did throw that uh, really stupid interception 
that set up the uh, second Dallas touchdown or the first Dallas touchdown in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Debo Samuel, 10 carries for 72 yards and a touchdown on the ground to add on to three grabs for 38 yards receiving. Uh, Elijah Mitchell had 25 carries in this game for 96 yards on a touchdown. And now they go to Green Bay on Saturday night to play on the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field. Uh, moving on here to the Sunday nighter, Chiefs 42, Steelers 21. Steelers hung around for a little while in this game, and then it was just the explosion of Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs offense. What were your thoughts on this game? I mean, it started off, you know, 0-0 zero to zero for, I, th- I believe, until into the second quarter. I believe it was the end of the first quarter, yeah. It was 0-0 zero, zero at the end of one. So then it becomes 7-7. Seven, seven. Uh, T.J. Watt makes, a, you know, the scoop. T.J. Watt scores the first touchdown, which is incredible. If was... you had that first bet for, you know, first touchdown of the game, you probably mm-hmm. made some solid money. Definitely. Um, and, I, I mean, he's he's defensive player of the year this year. There's no way you can give it to Donald after a 22-point, you know, 22-and-a-half sack record-tying season. I mean, maybe Trayvon Diggs with the 11 interceptions, but that that's probably his only competition, I would say. I, I would agree there. It's it's going to be interesting to see what the Chiefs do versus the Bills. We'll, we'll get into that preview. But this game was good. It did make me sad to see, you know, Big Ben probably in his last game. Even though I never was a huge Steelers fan, this this one just, you know, hit a little different. Remembering watching Steelers Packers and rooting for the Steelers because I hated the Packers so much. Mm-hmm. And, you know, remembering they even talked about it in the broadcast. Big Ben, we haven't seen the pump fakes as yeah. much. We haven't seen the in the pocket. That's what Big Ben was so good at in his prime. He would pump fake twice and still get it off before anyone would get him down. He could, you know, stand in that pocket. And also, his mobility was just a unique um, aspect of his game For and his a side. quarterback. Yeah. It's just incredible to watch him move like that. I'm going to miss watching him and miss him being in the league. And, you know, he – he made the playoffs, and it's another situation where, to to the to words of the Raiders, this is like his Super Bowl again. You know, getting at least you know a chance. I didn't see them having any legitimate shot, but you know, what can you do when you're going against Kansas City and they've finally gotten hot here at the end of the year? Mm-hmm. I mean, when this team gets hot, they are absolute freaking wagon. I mean, mm-hmm. if they play like this, the two games. I don't care who comes out of that NFC. I don't think anybody's going to be able to stop them. And it's mm-hmm. not I, – I almost compare the Kansas City Chiefs offense to the Golden State Warriors when they were making their runs in 2016, 2017, 2018, when they had Steph Curry, they had a healthy Clay Thompson, uh, Draymond mm-hmm. Green, and then they added, obviously added Kevin Durant. You know, you would play them – would be up 10 or 15 at the half and you think oh my gosh especially in their 72 or their 73 and 9 or 73 and 8 season or whatever they had way back there in 2016 they'd be down 10 or 15 at the half and then they would just explode in the third quarter they'd go on a 27 to 5 run and you turn a 10 point deficit into a 12 point lead <laughs> you know I, that that reminded me of watching this Chiefs offense especially in the second quarter Mahomes threw for almost 200 yards in the second quarter he ends up finishing the game 30 to 39 404 with five touchdowns I mean you mentioned it. This game was 0-0 zero to zero at the end of the first quarter. The Chiefs did not score until halfway into the second quarter and still hung 42 points. Mm-hmm. Even Travis Kelsey's out here throwing touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty incredible to watch. He added uh, that passing touchdown to Tyreek Hill. Also had five grams for 108 yards on a touchdown receiving. 
Jarek McKinnon in place of um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had a really good game, 12 carries, 61 yards. Rushing also had a receiving touchdown. I believe he had the first touchdown for the Chiefs on that little um, shovel pass. Byron mm-hmm. Pringle even got two touchdowns. Uh, ben in his last game, you know, he played good for Big Ben's standards, especially the way he's been playing this year. 29 of 44, 215, two touchdowns. At least he got to end his NFL career with two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Najee Harris was held in check to only 29 rushing yards. He had his first NFL fumble in this game in the third quarter that that led the Kansas City to score, make it 28-7, and really put the ball game away at that point. I uh, watched watching the first half of this game. They were talking about Deontay Johnson and his hand-eye coordination. And mm-hmm. when he was catching, I don't know if you watched any of the broadcasts, but when he was catching the tennis balls mm-hmm. pregame, those tennis balls did not help him at all, I don't think. No, he dropped he had, one right over the middle. I think he had four passes. I think he dropped four passes in this game. Mm-hmm. Maybe three, maybe four, but still. I mean, if he catches some of those passes, two of them were on third down at least. Mm-hmm. That could have maybe changed the momentum of this game a little bit. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster shockingly was activated and came back to this game after what we thought was he had a season-ending shoulder injury later in, earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. He had five grabs for 26 yards, maybe brought him to play that last game for Ben. Uh, it was just a tough night overall for Steeler fans watching their team get eliminated and then obviously one of their uh, legends of the team just uh, in his last game. Mm-hmm. Which is going to lead us to our final of the six Super Wild Card Weekend games. It was the game I was looking forward to the most. I thought this was going to be the best matchup of the weekend. And boy, was I wrong. The Rams 34 and the Cardinals 11. Go ahead and break it down for us. It was awesome to see Stafford, you know, dominate. Odell Beckham gets involved. He throws a pass that reminded me a of his Giants day. dime to Cam it was, Akers. It was incredible. It was incredible to see Cam Akers back. And then they were they were talking. He His rehab was done by the same person who did, like, Kobe Bryant. Legends I mean, like that. To come back from an Achilles injury mm-hmm. in six months. To be mm-hmm. able to play in an NFL playoff game, it took Kevin Durant a year to come back from that torn Achilles that he had with the Warriors in 2019. Mm-hmm. That's it crazy. Took Kobe Bryant got. It took Clay Thompson a year to come back from his Achilles injury, only to tear the ACL in um, warmups. You know, a couple weeks mm-hmm. before the season. Kobe Bryant, it took I think nine or ten months even for him. And you know, Kobe Bryant was one of the most superhuman healers I think in sports history. Mm-hmm. They were showing a video on the Monday Night Broadcast last night, November 29th. It was a, I think it was a video on his Instagram, on Cam Akers' Instagram. Mm-hmm. He was jumping and cutting around like he had never had an injury. November mm-hmm. 29th was like two months ago. So if you want to put that into frame, that would have been four months after the injury. And he was mm-hmm. moving around like nothing happened. You know, obviously they said on the broadcast, there were days where he thought it was really hard. And he was never going to come back. And he just mm-hmm. sat there and, you know, broke down into tears. But to watch him, I think I saw something today on a, um, a tweet or something. It was 53%, I think he had on a snap rate yesterday. Mm-hmm. In his second game back six months after a torn Achilles, goes out here, he gets 55 rushing yards on 17 carries, and then has a 40-yard catch on top of that. So basically 18 touches for almost 100 yards. Mm-hmm. Just incredible to watch. But uh, it was nice to see Matthew Stafford get his first playoff win. I was so excited. I was so happy for him last night. He didn't really – he didn't have the Stafford game I thought he was going to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, 13 to 17, 202, two touchdowns. He even had 22 rushing yards and scored a rushing touchdown on quarterback sneak, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, Cooper Cup was averaging like 115 yards per game receiving. He was held in check to 61, did score though. Uh, I'm gonna let you talk about Kyler Murray. He did not play well last night. Mm-hmm. That was horrible. That was embarrassing. The, the decision he made in the end zone to avoid the safety was to just chuck the ball and then end up being a pick six by David Long, a guy we haven't heard about at all, really. Mm-hmm. And a guy who man. the last time he had a pick was week one against the Bears and Andy Dalton. So basically, you're joining a club of 
uh, you know, Andy Dalton for this season, guys who threw an interception to David Long. And this one was – it was a head-scratcher. It was, why are you throwing that ball? I know you yeah. don't want to get the safety, but he lobbed it. Couldn't he just launch the ball like, out of the – Literally. You know, out of the – into the stands? I mean, Were, were there something. no – to to be honest, if you if you know you know you're doomed, chuck it near a receiver. Even if the receiver doesn't get it, there's a better chance. Yeah. That was just like thrown over anybody's head. Like I think the running back was was over there, but it was way over his head. I I don't understand it. Uh, the second pick, he threw it a little high, I believe, to James Conner. Um, it was when the Rams, you know, were pressuring, and and that seemed to be when Kyler struggled. Mm-hmm. So you know, six rushing yards. Yeah, that is not like Kyler Murray. Not at all. He, it, I mean, you can't do much when you get down that early. We've seen that with so many teams. Um, but really, it was just playing. It was playing from behind that got him. I think it was his first, you know, being in the first playoff game of his career, you know, dealing with some injuries throughout the year. The, the team was banged up. They got guys like, you know, J.J. Watt and James Conner back who, who had missed a couple games here and there. He um, wasn't the same without Hopkins. All, not at all. You know, the, the four or five weeks that he was out to finish the season. Mm-hmm. It's hard to believe this team was 7-0 at one point this year. Mm-hmm. They, were, we were, they were flirting with 8-0. We talked about it. Mm-hmm. That Thursday night game that they played in Green Bay, it was the game where Kyler Murray ended up hurting his ankle in the second to last play of the game. Mm-hmm. Ends up throwing that ridiculously stupid interception that should have been caught by A.J. Green to basically mm-hmm. win it, which would have made him 8-0 at the time. Kyler misses, what, three games, I believe. Mm-hmm. Colt McCoy steps in and wins two of them. So they're sitting – he comes back. They're sitting nine and one. And then they win a couple more games. They lose a game. And then they go to Detroit and they get embarrassed. Mm-hmm. And I think that we should be proud to say as Lions fans that we broke the Arizona Cardinals. Mm-hmm. So like Dolphins, Dolphins fans should be happy that they can say they broke the Baltimore Ravens. Mm-hmm. Lions fans should be saying – because they won one game after that. And they honestly shouldn't have beaten Dallas, I don't think. Mm-hmm. In that game, they Dallas had a chance to come back. It was almost like the playoff game. Dallas played really bad in the first half, and then they had enough time to come back, and they almost made it a ball game, or they mm-hmm. made it a ball game and almost won. But it was just really sad to see. I thought I, I had high expectations for this Cardinals team when they started seven and zero. I was mm-hmm. saying Super Bowl or bust for this team, not a wild card exit in bust or or bust. Mm-hmm. It's just I, really. Sad I really thought they had a good chance at that. You know, early stage of the season, I even. I thought there was no way we'd beat them, but like you're saying, we broke them, and there's a little bit of pride in that. And then there's a little bit of pride on the other side seeing Stafford beat. Oh, there's them. a lot of bit of pride seeing Matt. Yeah, definitely. His Dude, first playoff game. I the first thing I said was, "Let's go, Staff." It's not about the Rams for not me. About the Rams, it's about Stafford. It. I think, you know, this in a way makes it easier to have the season we had mm-hmm. because I. I kind of knew our season wouldn't be, you know, good. I didn't think it would be 0-10-1 at some point, mm-hmm. you know. But Stafford, now I really think Stafford can make the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. The Cardinals were the team that I, I – I don't really – I don't like the Packers, man. I still think they're, they're going to blow it in the NFC Championship. They always do. They always do. do. <laughs> it just depends who's going to be there, Brady or Stafford. Mm-hmm. And the way it's looking, if they come out and dominate, Matthew Stafford may be a Super Bowl. I agree. And I think and you're right. It's let's go staff. It's, it's, you know, screw the draft pick at this point. 
Mm-hmm. You know, obviously we get their first round draft pick in 2022. That mm-hmm. was one of the things that was traded over to LA or to Detroit from LA mm-hmm. in that Stafford Goff swap and whatnot. I believe we also get their 2023 first round pick or their second round pick. Mm-hmm. But you know what? At this point, if Stafford's able to win a Super Bowl or even make the Super Bowl in his first year, I will take a 31st or a 32nd overall. Pick, Definitely. To be honest with you, that means that would give us three draft picks in the first 34 picks. Mm-hmm. and this team can finally start to turn it around a little bit. We talked about a little bit about the blueprint for mm-hmm. the draft, I think. Um, you know, wide receiver. A wide receiver quarterback and going pass rusher in the first three picks. And But, you know, first of all, I think it's just, you know, let's go staff. Hopefully yep. they can get the job done in Tampa. They play a massive classic in week three mm-hmm. um, in L.A. I believe they gave um, the Bucks their first loss of the season. Should have been their second loss of the mm-hmm. season after almost losing to Dallas week one. Uh, but, you know, it was great to see Stafford win. It was good when the announcers were talking about, sorry, go ahead. It was, it was nice to see him, you know, not have to sweat one out to win it Mm -hmm. 34 to 11. Don't only have to throw 17 passes and your team just absolutely cruises to a victory. It's just great to see because Stafford usually has to throw it when he was in Detroit, had to throw the ball like 45, Mm -hmm. 50 times to get wins, not 17. There was never a game where Stafford won a game throwing the ball 17 times. Definitely. He threw he would throw it 50 times and sometimes we still would lose and still lose. What was good, the announcers mentioned this. They said, you know, to have Sean McVay have that faith in Stafford to say, I think you can come and completely take this team to that next level. That's what, you know, was awesome to see is because Stafford never got much support in Detroit. The coaches were just thrown in here. For I mean, who drafted him? Schwartz, I believe. So, I believe so, yeah. Schwartz comes in. It's a new regime. Let's get Stafford. He's a good prospect. Then, you know, we go to Caldwell. It's just like, all right, Stafford's our guy. Let's do it. You know, no changes needed to be made. We were pretty good then. Patricia comes in and ruins us. And, mm-hmm. and, and Stafford was battling, you know, injuries upon injuries and playing through them the last two years. And then you have Sean McVay say, hey, Matthew Stafford, I believe in you so much. I'm going to make this trade, and I know you're the guy. And, and it pans out, and now Stafford finally can get some recognition, and that's just awesome to see, is to have other people outside of Detroit say, Matthew Stafford is not just a stats guy. He's a guy who can win in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, one thing I do want to do want to mention before we move on to the division round preview, uh, we were all on Xbox last night, me and, me and mm-hmm. my friends, and uh, obviously I think he's been a guest on the pod before Justin. I gave him a parlay just, you know, for giggles and everything that I, I, mm-hmm. I built for him. I feel bad for him. I want to shout him out. It was mm-hmm. absolutely horrible. It hit one out of six. What was it? Uh, so it was – hang on. Let me pull it up hang on, real quick. I don't remember bet. all of them. Here it is right here. All right. So this was a $10 bet to win 266 mm-hmm. uh, We had Cooper Cup anytime touchdown, which hit. Uh, we had the over 48 and a half, which uh, came very close to hitting. Mm-hmm. Stafford over 274.5, which obviously wasn't even close. Mm-hmm. I didn't expect Stafford to throw the ball 17 times. Kyler went under 255. That was pretty easy. Odell Beckham, I believe, went over 47.5. And, and then Kyler went – I hit him Kyler over rushing yards. Mm-hmm. I talked him out of doing Stafford. Stafford was over 1.5 rushing yards. He obviously shattered that mark. But, uh, yeah, not too good. He, he was cussing me out on the mic last night. It was, it was uh, pretty enjoyable. But mm-hmm. better luck next time. I guess that's why you don't listen to me. Definitely. <laughs> All right, moving on here to the divisional round preview. We're going to lead it off with the first game on Saturday. You have the four-seeded Bengals uh, traveling to Tennessee to take on the one-seeded Titans, which possibly could be getting a very, very big piece back in Derrick Henry. 
who's winning this game and why? It's going to be interesting if Derrick Henry comes back, and I think he will, just based on you know what the talk has been throughout the season. Um, it, it'll be a good game. Will it be the best game? No, not not by a long shot. I think the Chiefs Bills is going to be probably the one to watch for me, and also Bucks Rams. But this will be you know a better game than what's what's the other one? What's oh, the last Niners one? Packers. Yeah, I don't I don't really care about that game. It's been a playoff rivalry. This is a game with two young teams. And let's not forget the Titans were talked about when they got Julio Jones as being the top team. They have yet to prove it. A team that has surprised everyone this year has been the Bengals. So you, ha- you, you literally have the team that, you know, no one ever predicted was going to be in this position. And then you have the team at the number one seed who everyone said would be, you know, the a Super Bowl contender, but in my eyes hasn't proven it. So this is going to be a battle of who's going to prove, you know, themselves in this matchup. Will the Bengals, you know, I've been saying it. Other people have been saying it. They're a little young. They beat the Chiefs, and I know it was the regular season. Um, Titans, they haven't had a super dominating game, in my opinion. They got kind of lucky being the one seed only because the Chiefs started off the season pretty, you know, not, not, not good. Who do I think will win? I want to say Bengals. I think the Titans, if they have Derrick Henry, will probably come out on top. But I'd love to see the Bengals win this one. And so I, I got to go Bengals, even though Bengals. it might not be the most realistic. Now, I don't think it is that you know far-fetched to say that. Uh, Mike Vrabel had a press conference today saying that Derrick Henry has not gone through any contact drills yet mm. in practice. Granted, there are still, including, you know, I don't know. I think this was before today's practice. Mm-hmm. So there's still four practices before the game on Saturday. How many does he have to go through, two? I would say probably two to three of contact. Mm-hmm. He hasn't been hit since, you know, the injury way back. What was that, week seven, week eight? Yeah. Um, if he does not play, Bengals. a legitimate chance to win this game. But if he is able to play, I don't see him getting more than 15, 20 touches. But I think he can get 70 to 85 yards with those touches and mm-hmm. can definitely transform the game. Um, you've seen Ryan Tannehill. He is a 10 times better quarterback when Derrick Henry's out there. Mm-hmm. I think it's half the fact that of the fear factor that Derrick Henry brings mm-hmm. to the defense. Even if you're going to do a play-action pass to Derrick mm-hmm. Henry, you know, it's still that thought of, oh, my God, that is like a huge train track coming down the, the tracks, and you're not mm-hmm. able to stop him. Tannehill can just pull the ball out. He's going to have Julio Jones healthy. He's got A.J. Brown healthy. A.J. Brown's been an absolute beast all season. Just mm-hmm. look back to that Thursday night game that they played when he was basically the only receiver out there against the 49ers. He had like mm-hmm. 150 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, but if Henry's able to win, I think this is – it's still going to be a close game either way, though. I think 27-21 Titans. Mm-hmm. Um, Tannehill, 175, two touchdowns and a pick. Uh, I think Dontrell Hilliard catches one on the, in the air, and I think A.J. Brown gets one. Uh, Burrow, I think the turnover issue is really going to cost him in this game. I think he throws two interceptions. Mm. I think Mixon's held in check again to about 45 rushing yards. I think Jamar Chase does get a touchdown as uh, well as Tyler Boyd. It's a tough way for Cincinnati to go out, but they have definitely scared a lot of teams in the AFC, and I think they're going to be a force to be reckoned with and to be scared mm-hmm. of for you know a four- or five-year window. They, they've definitely got a bright future. That's the thing. With this game, I think realistically the Titans will win. But we've got a big question mark in Derrick Henry. If Derrick Henry doesn't Titans play without him. They haven't played the buns without him. No, I mean there there was the one game versus the Patriots that they lost, and their running backs were those. 
Ironically, the game that the running backs did best in, I believe, together was the game they lost. Was the Foreman and Hilliard, yeah. They both had 100 yards, I believe, in that game as well. Uh-huh. But, you know, yeah, as you mentioned, Derrick Henry's definitely going to be a big factor in this game, you know, in the result. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's move on here to the Saturday night game, 8-15. You have the six-seeded 49ers coming off that huge upset victory over the Dallas Cowboys. They're going to be traveling to the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field to take on the number one-seeded Packers fresh off of a bye. Mm-hmm. I really want the 49ers to win this game. I think this game's going to be closer than a lot of people think, but who you got? I mentioned it before. I think this is the game I'm least excited about. Just based on I don't like the Packers, and they're coming off the bye. They're well-rested. Rodgers has played good with the exception of maybe, you know, week one when they had a really bad game. Um, I'm going to say 49ers here because I chose the Cowboys last week. And, you know, I'm eating my words on that one. So I don't want to eat my words here. And also, I just want to see the Packers lose before, you know, because if it comes down to another Rams 49ers game, that would be that would be one for, you know, I think the books, especially after that last matchup we got in the final week of the regular season. I don't want to see the Packers win this. It's going to be tough because they're going to be healthy. But if I've, you know, seen anything, I know the 49ers do well in the playoffs going back to the Kaepernick days, going back to even Alex Smith, and obviously going back to Joe Montana. I think I got to go 49ers in the playoffs here, and uh, I hope the Packers lose. That's all I can really say. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Every Detroit Lions fan is probably you know rooting for the 49ers in this game for sure. Uh, another big piece, though, for the Packers to be coming back is that Arius Smith. He's been mm. injured you know, for most of the regular season. He's going to be healthy and he's going to be ready to go. Um, is he going to make a difference? You know, I don't know. It depends. You know, it's like Derrick Henry. Is he going to make, is he making an impact? You know, mm-hmm. the only time will tell. Um, I think, I still think this is going to go to Green Bay though. I think it's going to be a low scoring game. 21, 13 mm. Garoppolo, 165 yards. I think he gets a touchdown this week, but does throw the ball twice. Uh, Debo is not going to be held in check. I don't think I, there's going to be a lot of teams. that are going to be planning their schemes next season around Debo Samuel going to be really interesting to see what the um what the teams next year really do with him i think he has 75 rushing yards 50 receiving yards um i think he's gonna score the niners alone uh receiving touchdown in this game elijah mitchell he's gonna have 70 yards and a touchdown uh too much clock control of the packers you know they're gonna win this game kittle's gonna be held in check only about 40 receiving yards rogers 50 and he's gonna throw for three touchdowns and it's gonna be a, another turnover free game for aaron Rodgers. he's had a lot of those this season uh, Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, they're both going to go about 55 yards each or more. You know, I think Aaron Jones obviously will get a little bit more, you know, being the lead back and whatnot. Uh, Devontae Adams, 100 receiving yards, two touchdowns. Valdez Scantling is going to score as well. Set up a potential another matchup of Rodgers versus Brady or even Rodgers versus Stafford for a chance to go to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. All right, moving on here to our first of the Sunday window. Heavyweight Sunday is what they should be calling this. Uh, 3 p.m. Seated Rams, two seated Bucks. It's Brady. It's Stafford. Who you got? Mm, this is the one that's I think the toughest for me, besides Chiefs and Bills. I want to say Stafford, and I'm going to say Stafford. Although it's hard because I chose the Bucks to have a uh, obviously a 17 and 0 season. 17 and 0, yeah, yeah, and uh, you know it didn't really pan out there, but you know. Tom Brady's dealing with a lot of injuries on the offense. Leonard Fournette's been banged up. No idea if he's playing in this game. That being said, Gio Bernard, Keyshawn Vaughn, they had good games. 
Can they do it versus the Rams defense, though? I don't know. The Arizona Cardinals did not really try to run the ball, at least in the early part of the game. It shows with Kyler having absolutely abysmal rushing stats. James Conner was more used in the passing game. Same with, you know, Edmonds. Um, you know, Benjamin actually had a lot of touches in that game as well, which was kind of surprising, you know, even though it was a blowout at the end. Yeah. They started running the ball later in the game, which didn't make sense to me. Why, when you're down, you got to start passing. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that did cause some interceptions, but realistically, how are you going to win the game? You're going to be wasting too much clock. It's going to come down to how does the game start? Because if if one of these two teams gets ahead, I think – um, you know, the Rams have the better chance if they pull ahead. I don't think Brady can come back in this game. I don't want to say that because Brady does it every time when you least expect it, 28 to 3. But if if the Bucks get ahead, I mean, it'll be interesting. I really don't know. This is, the I think, the toughest one for me because I want to see Stafford win so bad, and you can never, never count out Tom Brady, no matter the age, no matter who he's playing with. Like, you'd think Tom Brady without Godwin or Tom Brady without, you know, his starting running backs in both Rojo and Leonard Fournette and and some of the pieces of his defense, you'd think, you know, the Eagles might have a shot, but then they go out and they dominate with Gio Bernard, Keyshawn Vaughn. I I don't even think Grayson was playing. I think Scotty Miller was getting a lot of targets. I know Mm -hmm. Gronk, but it's just like, how do you count Tom Brady out even with injuries? He's just different. When you, can't. <laughs> you you can't. I want to say Rams. I want to say Bucks. But in the sake of you know Matthew Stafford, I'm going Stafford, and that's 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 who I'm choosing to go with here. Yeah, definitely. Like I mentioned, Brady versus Stafford in a rematch of that Week Three Classic. Gonna be a lot of offense in this one, just like there was in Week Three. It's a very tough game to predict. I think it's gonna go LA's way in an upset, 33-30. Stafford 300 yards passing, passing four touchdowns. I think he even continues that rushing streak a little bit with 25 rushing yards. Uh, Cup's going to score twice. Jefferson gets mm. a touchdown. I think Higby gets a touchdown as well. Akers is going to have 85 rushing, 25 receiving yards. I think Akers scores a touchdown on the ground. It's just going to be an offensive shootout, and I think, you know, the Rams are going to be the last ones with the ball, or and that's going to happen. Brady, mm. 325, three touchdowns. I think he does throw an interception. It's going to seal it late, unfortunately, for the Rams. Uh, the run game's going to hurt them as well, not having guys at 100%. Even mm-hmm. if they do get a Rojo or a, or a Fournette back, those guys aren't going to be 100% healthy. And mm-hmm. uh, the Rams, interior defensive lineman, I don't think you want to be n- anything less than 100% against Aaron Donald. Mm-hmm. I'll put it that way. Von I mean, Miller, too. Yeah, Von Miller. Von Miller just, you know, that first sack that he had on Tyler Murray, it almost felt like it changed the game. Wait, and that sack, I think, came either on the first or second drive of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, Gronk, I think he scores two touchdowns as well and gets about 65 yards receiving. It could be a tough way for the Bucks to lose, but this could set up a potential Roger Stafford for a chance to go to L.A. in the Super Bowl or just, you know, a back you know, home for a normal home game for the Rams. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last game of Divisional Weekend, 6.30 on Sunday night from Arrowhead Stadium, the Bills and the Chiefs, who you got? It's another one that's like both these teams are going to be scoring. You know their offenses are both good. If one pulls away, it's going to be hard to come back. It's, it's just it's going to come down to staying on pace with each other. If if you let yourself get down three scores, you're going to have a Rams-Cardinals game. Both those teams are good teams, but you see what happens when you get behind. If the Bills start slow, or even we saw the Chiefs start very slow versus the Steelers, not scoring that whole first quarter, they picked it up at the end of the second due to you know some mistakes by the Steelers. 
drop missed missed catches by Deontay Johnson, you're not going to have that in this game. You're going against Stephon Diggs. You're not going against Juju Smith-Schuster. The Chiefs are going to have a tough challenge. We saw what happened when they versed the Bengals and they went against you know good receiving core with the likes of obviously Chase. You talk Higgins, Boyd behind that. You're basically looking at that type of thing here. You're looking at a Diggs. You're looking at a Beasley. You're looking at a Emmanuel Sanders when healthy. And you're looking at Gabe Davis, who's been a surprise this year as well. Dawson Knox, Travis Kelsey, you're pretty even there. Jarek McKinnon had a phenomenal game. I think we forgot to mention when we broke down that Steelers game. Devin Singletary finally had a good game. You're, you're coming into this game with almost identical offenses. The difference for me here is Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes has proven it in the last two, three years. In the playoffs, he'll put the team on his back. He may have struggled earlier this year. I think he shut everybody up. Those struggles and are long gone. Th- those struggles are related to, you know, Jackson's TikToks now. That's, that's what that is now. That's its own thing now. Mahomes' play is Mahomes' play, and he's, he's at top form here. They put 42 up, and you mentioned it. They put 42 up without scoring in the first quarter. If they come out and put the 42 up they did on top of scoring in the first quarter, this could be one of the greatest games. I think it's going to be better than last year's matchup. And I, uh, I got to go Chiefs, like I said, only based on Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. I think it's going to be kind of like the 2020 AFC Championship game a little bit. I think it's going to be a 31-14 win for the Chiefs, you know, it's a great way to end division around weekend. Two of the young, great quarterbacks in this league. Mahomes has found some struggles against Buffalo, but I don't think those are going to happen. I don't think those are going to keep – it's going to be a lopsided game, more mm-hmm. lopsided than people expected. I think Allen's going to struggle, 195 passing, two interceptions. He's still going to throw a touchdown, though. I think it's going to go to Diggs for 65 yards, receiving total in the game. And like I mentioned, I think the problem's going to be that uh, Emmanuel Sanders isn't going to show up or Dawson Knox isn't really going to show mm. up. Dawson Knox had it. What was it? Three. I think he had a three touchdown or a two touchdown game mm-hmm. when they played on Sunday night. And remember Buffalo went into Kansas city and won. Yeah. I understand Mahomes mm-hmm. was in his little funk at that point. Mm-hmm. But like you said, that's way long gone. That's like a Jackson Mahomes TikTok. Nobody cares about it. Anymore. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think Singletary is going to go for about 40 yards in this game. I think that chiefs blitz and that defense under Spagnola is going to get five sacks from jo- out of Josh Allen. Um, Mahomes, 255, three touchdown. I think he even gets one on the ground, a rare touchdown on the ground for him. Darrell Williams, the rushing touchdown, about 40 rushing yards. I don't think Edwards Hilaire will be back and ready to go. Hopefully they have him ready for the AFC title game if needed. Uh, Tyreek's going to score twice. I think Kelsey's going to score. And if, you know, Derrick Henry comes back, that's going to set up a very, very interesting AFC title game between mm-hmm. the Chiefs and Titans from Nashville next Sunday. Mm-hmm. All right, um, moving on here to our final segment of the day. Uh, a new segment that we just decided to come up with last week. Um, there are eight head coaching vacancies around the league. The Jags, the Dolphins, the Bears, the Vikings, the Jets, the mm-hmm. Raiders, or not the Jets, the Giants, the Raiders, the Broncos, and the Texans. Mm-hmm. Um, we decided to talk about candidates and who we think may be fitting right for the job. I don't want to talk about all eight teams and who think who we think is going to be the right fit. Mm-hmm. I've I, three or four guys in my notes here that I want to talk about. I'm going to let you lead off. If there's any other uh, head coaching vacancy, you know, that you want to talk about and, you know, guys that could fill those, those spots. How would you feel? I'm going to start this off with a little bit of question. How would you feel if Jim Caldwell went to the bears? Cause it's been rumored. Um, 
I would feel a little hurt being a Lions fan, but at the same time, he's got to do what he's got to do. If he if he he's he should be a coach in the NFL. I want Tim Caldwell to get a job. I really do. He deserves. Mm-hmm. It. Do you know what I think the most? I think the ideal fit for Jim Caldwell would be the Jacksonville Jaguars. Mm. Young team, young quarterback. He can do. He's got a couple veterans on that roster. Mm-hmm. They've been through it before. Have been on losing teams. Have been has dealt have dealt with success and have dealt with failure throughout their mm-hmm. careers. I think Jim Caldwell can turn Trevor Lawrence into a top fifteen quarterback in this league. They get a draft cycle or two through. Mm-hmm. Get Trevor his playmakers. Don't forget. James Robinson had a bad season last year, obviously, after that incredible 1,000-yard rookie season. Mm-hmm. Travis Etienne did not play a snap season this season. Mm-hmm. I was talking about it with, with uh, somebody the other day. You look at the impacts that rookies made, made this year. We, we, had, we made fun of a lot of these teams for drafting uh, some of their quarterbacks, former college teammates. Mm-hmm. You look at what, Monte Smith and Jalen Hurts did this year. Mm-hmm. Led the Eagles to the playoffs when they basically had one of the third or fourth worst rosters coming into the league this year. Mm-hmm. And they made the playoffs. Yeah, they got bounced by Tampa as expected, but they still made the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You look at Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. Mm-hmm. They're probably up there now, I think, in the top three or four wide duos. duos in the NFL. And they're only, they've only been together for a year. Talk about Tua and Waddle, too. Tua even though and Waddle, they didn't make exactly. The they playoffs? were very close to making the playoffs. They had a mm-hmm. horrid start ripped off seven wins in a row. And mm-hmm. then obviously, you know, they went one and one down the stretch to finish nine and eight. Unfortunate that they fired Brian Flores. I think that's mm-hmm. a mistake still. I and, mean, I, th- uh, I think he could be one of the guys we talk about as a candidate, potentially possibly, yeah, Texans yeah. rumored. And then I feel like I'm, am I missing another duo? I think that was it. I think there were only four. Out of the college obviously, teammates? Yeah, the college teammates. And then obviously without, uh, with ETN and, and Lawrence. Yeah, I, I understand their quarterback, running back, and these other guys were quarterback, receiver. But ETN caught a lot of passes at Clemson, mm-hmm. especially when Lawrence was there. Some of Travis ETN's most iconic plays in Clemson history, in his tenure in Clemson, were receiving pass plays. Mm-hmm. He caught a huge fifty-yard touchdown in the Fiesta Bowl against Ohio State, um, the year I believe they lost to Clemson, or the year they lost to the LSU team in the national championship game. Mm-hmm. But you get them together, you get Caldwell to get some of his – Caldwell probably could build one of the best coaching staffs in the league. Mm-hmm. Just out of – you know, he's been on three or four different staffs. He could bring in some guys that could really revolutionize this Jaguar team and turn them back into – I don't really want to say turn them back into, you know, that they, they were that one quarter away from the Super Bowl a few years ago with Bortles and with that incredible mm-hmm. defense led by Jalen Ramsey. But I think Caldwell to the Jags would be a great fit. Mm-hmm. I could see him going to the Bears. I could see him going to the Jags. I could see him going to any of these teams. Miami, who knows? I I want Caldwell to get a job though, and that's why I asked about the Bears. Um, how many teams has Caldwell coached for? Lions, Colts, uh, is that Lions, it? Colts, Ravens, uh, or no? Bengals. Mm. I feel I feel like he was a Bengals coach at one point. Mm. Maybe an assistant or something, but. Something in that staff. More, most famous for taking over for Pagano when Pagano got the uh, cancer diagnosis. And I believe that was what, Lux, probably rookie year. Mm-hmm. And then obviously getting the Lions job a couple years after that. Mm-hmm. And I felt I always loved Caldwell. I, I still love Caldwell. I wish we would have kept him and avoided the uh, Quinn Trisha era. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's it. You mentioned the Jaguars as possible location for him. How do you feel about Byron Leftwich possibly, you know, returning there? Um, I believe yeah, obviously former quarterback there at one mm-hmm. point or another. I think he would also be another good candidate because they mm-hmm. have those weapons on offense. 
and you look at what Byron Leftwich has done, I understand that you were basically spoon-fed the GOAT mm-hmm. to, to, to lead your offense. Mm-hmm. But to have Mike Evans and a healthy Chris Godwin, a Gronk, you know, Gronk comes out of retirement to turn into basically Gronk 2.0. It's like Gronk never took those years off in the league. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it took him a couple weeks to get going last year, obviously, as it does for most players returning into the league or returning after an injury or whatnot, to build one of the best offensive lines in football. Uh, you drafted Tristan Wirfs, what was it, 13th or 14th overall last year mm-hmm. to protect Tom Brady's blind side, and he's turned into one of the best left tackles in the league. Uh, Ryan Jensen's a pretty good center in my eyes. They already had a decent offensive line, I think, before those two guys came in. Uh, but, yeah, to, and you look at the pieces that Jacksonville has, ETN, Robinson, um, Trevor Lawrence at the quarterback position. You have uh, LaVisca Chennault, that receiver, who is one of the most underrated, I think one of the most underrated receivers in the league. Mm-hmm. You have Marvin Jones, who had a pretty good season, I think, this year for not getting the ball that much. Mm-hmm. Um, they definitely, like I said, there are a few big pieces away from being a good football team, I think. I think you bring in any offensive innovative mind, and the Jags can turn into a 9- or 10-win team in probably two to three years. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, you know, And then there's a lot of good jobs out there for guys that are looking for young quarterbacks. You, know, you, could, you could nurture a guy like Tua or mm-hmm. Justin Fields. I think the Bears job could be one of the hottest jobs out there right now because mm-hmm. Justin Fields is going into his second season next year. He had a decent season with Matt Nagy. And you look at how well he played, I think that one game where Nagy had COVID, mm-hmm. That shows that I think Justin Fields is going to be a better – he's a good quarterback with Nagy. He's going to be even a better quarterback without Nagy. I think Kellen Moore could fit in really well there. To the Bears? To the Bears because of his quarterback background. Yes, I don't want to see Kellen Moore come back into the division. Obviously, he really didn't play much for the Lions. You think he was more of a third string. He was more of a bench warmer mm-hmm. kind of a guy. But to see what he's done with that Dallas offense, I know he's pretty much almost spoon-fed the job after um, Jason Garrett's firing. Mm-hmm. promoted being promoted from the quarterbacks coach to the offensive coordinator but you know he's worked with Dak Prescott Dak Prescott you know he has his moments but he's a top 10 quarterback in the league I think mm-hmm. uh, the running back duo of Zeke and Pollard you know when healthy they're probably the best one of the best duos in the league if not the best duo mm-hmm. he worked with probably three of the top 20 receivers in the league in Gallup and Cooper and in CeeDee Lamb mm-hmm I mean, they have Fields. Montgomery had a pretty good season, I thought, this year when he was healthy. It was really unfortunate to see him get hurt when he did. Probably could have changed the Bears' season if he have stayed healthy for the full mm-hmm. 16. Uh, you got Darnell Mooney on the receiving end. You still got Allen Robinson. Cole Komet's a pretty good young tight end in the league, I think. Uh, you still have an old Jimmy Graham, which, I mean, he knows how long he's going to play for. And you have mm-hmm. Jakeem Grant. You know, you got playmakers. That defense is still good, I think. Cleo Mack's still there. I think Helen Moore could be a good fit for the Bears. Mm, I agree. I think, like you're saying, that Bears job is going to be a hot job. They've got a good offense. Fields can mature very well. He's shown flashes. He 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 showed up in some of the bigger games, which surprised me. Yeah. Um, and like you mentioned, Montgomery was out. Allen Robinson's been out. Fields clicked with Mooney. They had a great connection, I felt like. Um, if you get some of these guys healthy – and you, you've got to kind of add some young pieces to that defense. They've kind of aged out of what they were the last two, three years. Um, you still got telling, some pieces, though. Definitely. And that's why I'm mentioning defense because Dan Quinn has done a phenomenal job on oh, the other side with Dallas. Job. He's probably the hottest name out there, I would think, right now. I think the Bears could be a good fit, but the defense is a little aged. I think he could go to the Broncos. I could really see him Same being thing. there. It yep. reminds me of Dallas just, you know – both being, you know, 
on the western southern parts of uh, America, you're you're going to a team with a great defense and guys like Simmons on the back half of the secondary. Uh, Patrick Sertan had a phenomenal, phenomenal rookie year. Mm-hmm. I wish we would have drafted him. Mm-hmm. Instead, I did too. Instead, we went a year early and we took uh, Jeff Okuda with the third uh, overall pick, which is something I don't think we'll ever live down. I was looking on eBay this week to buy some. You know, I was looking through football cards, and you can really only get them on eBay now with people just buying and reselling them. Yeah, yeah. There was a Jeff Okuda card on there, and I said, I don't, I would never touch that. Three dollars. It it was one. It was ninety nine cents free <laughs> shipping. Cents. Wow, wow. So if if someone really wanted it, ninety nine cents free shipping on eBay. Um, It'd be a good investment if he somehow had a you know a good if, season. He year. could turn it around. Who knows? Awarie had a great season, and we yeah, didn't think that. Yeah. Like, we, we, get, I think every week last year, at one point, we were we were knocking his play, and look what he did this year. He, what did he have? Seven picks. I think he had seven picks. Yeah, insane. I think that's what uh, Glover Quinn had, or Glover Quinn might have had seven or nine. Seven, eight, nine. If it wasn't for Trayvon Diggs just going insane, I mean. Absolute animal, and, and he was coached by Dan Quinn. I really think he can go to the Broncos. Do you see, why, why do you think he's a good fit there? I think he's a good fit because it reminds me of a lot of the situation that he walked into with Dallas. Mm-hmm. A defense that had some of those pieces. They had it when he came in. Jalen Smith was still there. Leighton Van Der Esch was there. Um, you know, they didn't have much going on in the secondary. I think Byron Jones had just left. Um, a was really the only, their top guy. He ended up leaving, I believe as well, uh, the next season. Um, you know, Demarcus Lawrence was there, but see, they have pieces on this Denver defense. You mm-hmm. still have Bradley Chubb, even though you traded Von Miller. Mm-hmm. You don't really have much on the interior lineman. You mentioned Justin Simmons. They have some other smaller pieces. Sertan had an incredible rookie season last year. And then, you know, you look at the offense that he can take over. Mm-hmm. Still guys on that offense is compared to some of the guys that maybe the Chiefs have or that the Bucks have or mm-hmm. some of these high-flying offenses have with a guy like Jerry Judy. Obviously, uh, Jerry mm-hmm. Judy was hurt. I believe he sprained his ankle. He missed like four or five games at the beginning of the season. That kind of derailed the season. He came mm-hmm. back and had a pretty good you know, last seven, eight games. Uh, Cortland Sutton had one of – when he was a rookie or second year in the league, he had a 1,000 mm-hmm. season. Noah, Noah Fant stepped up at the end of the last season after having kind of a disappointing beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. The only thing, and you got Melvin Gordon in the backfield, and then you also have uh, Javante Williams, who had a pretty good rookie season for sharing the load with um, with Melvin Gordon. The mm-hmm. only thing you got to figure out, and the, and the offensive line's pretty good. You got Garrett Bowles on that line, very young guy. Mm-hmm. Um, only thing you got to figure out is the quarterback situation. Is yeah. it going to be Drew Locke? Is it going to be Teddy Bridgewater? Or are you going to use that first-round draft pick to pick up a quarterback? Mm-hmm. You're in the range right now, before the combine, before any of these pre-draft workouts or anything start, you can get – Malik Willis, you could get Matt Corral probably slipping in the boards a little bit due to that sprained ankle that he picked up in the Sugar Bowl. Mm-hmm. You could get Desmond Ritter. There's three or four different options that you can have out there, or you either rely on a Drew Locke who really can't stay healthy. I know that guy's – I know he's my boy. Mm-hmm. I talked about him a lot, hyping him up going into the 2020 season. He just can't stay healthy. And then Bridgewater, he's a little inconsistent. He had that hot mm-hmm. September, and I didn't hear another word out of Teddy Bridgewater unless he was injured. Mm-hmm. So that's the only big – that would be the first big decision that Dan Quinn's going to have to make if he ends up being the coach of the Denver Broncos. Mm-hmm. Do you go Bridgewater? Do you go Locke? Or do you go draft? Or even the potential of picking up a Deshaun Watson or an Aaron Rodgers in a trade. Mm-hmm. That, now, if Dan Quinn could get an Aaron Rodgers to come play on this Denver Bronco team, that's Super Bowl. immediately into a Super Bowl contender. Mm-hmm. Even if you pick up Deshaun Watson, mm-hmm. I think they could still turn into a legitimately a, a legitimate challenge in the division. Mm-hmm. That means if you pick up Deshaun Watson or you pick up Aaron Rodgers, that AFC West, anybody can win it. 
Oh, your definitely. quarterbacks, your quarterbacks in the AFC West could be Patrick Mahomes, Derek Carr, Justin Herbert, possibly even Aaron Rodgers or Deshaun Watson. If that happens, that would be, I think, the greatest quarterbacks in a, in a division. As in a my division opinion, run. in my opinion, if that happens, you could get your first ever full division to get into the playoffs. Oh, definitely. All yeah. four teams from that division can make the playoffs. I think it would definitely. I think it would pretty much be a guarantee then, mm-hmm. because the Raiders had a good year, and we mentioned the off the year off the field struggles. The Chargers um, narrowly missed it, should have made it on that tie. With Dan Quinn and this team, I have a question. Dan Quinn coached the Falcons when they made the Super Bowl, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. So with that season, what, what was huge about that season was not just Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. It was that defense. They Vic had Beasley. Vic Beasley. Deion Jones, I believe, was there. Um, who did they have in the middle? They, they, they had a uh, pretty Deion good defense. Jones was a linebacker. They had a good defensive tackle. I forget. Um, he was pretty was good Grady that season. Garrett? Was he still I believe was... it might have been right before him. I can't remember, but they had a good, you know, up front. They had a good linebacking core. Their secondary, I think, still had Trufant. Some guys like, still there, yeah. Um, their safety, uh, Keanu Neal. Keanu Neal. I believe they still had uh, Robert Alford. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yep. They had a really good defense. What draws Dan Quinn to this Broncos team, I think, is that defense more than the offense. I think, you know, he's he's been really good at crafting defenses, especially here on Dallas with the, you know, Micah Parsons being probably defensive rookie of the year, Trayvon Diggs in the candidacy for defensive player of the year. Those two guys alone tell me that, you know, defense is probably his strong. And don't forget, don't forget, he was the defensive coordinator at one point, I believe, for the Seahawks. When they mm. had the Legion of Boom going, so he he knows defenses, and he if you plug defense. him in, if you plug him in here, I think you're you're gonna get something really good. On the flip side of the ball, the offense, there's been a lot of rumors of Eric Bieniemy, and that's because his strong suit's been taking that Chiefs offense and just you know unloading, mm-hmm. creating something new in the game we've never seen before. Do you think Eric Bieniemy could take the guys like Judy Sutton? whoever they end up deciding as quarterback, could he come in there? Now, it would be weird because he's, you know, been on the Chiefs, going to the rivals, but in this league, he deserves a coaching job, and he's got to do what he can get. I think there are three spots where Biennemi can go. And where's that? I think it's Miami. Mm -hmm. I think it's Minnesota. Or I actually think if Harbaugh somehow doesn't get the Raider job, which Mm -hmm. I don't think he will based on what I saw over the weekend, Mm -hmm. uh, the Raider job. I think those are the three jobs that Biennemi can have. Mm. I'm gonna lead off. I'm gonna go in order on the way I list the way I mentioned him. Miami. Mm-hmm. Bienemy, he's an offensive guy. Obviously, been an offensive coordinator, offensive assistant throughout his entire career. Mm-hmm. He can nurture a young quarterback in Tua. Mm-hmm. Maybe he can turn Tua into a quarterback that throws more than just drags and slants. Mm-hmm. He has a good running back in Miles Gaskin. They can hold on to Duke Johnson. He's got a pretty good number two. Mm-hmm. Jalen Waddle, Mike Gesicki. J- um, who else does he have? He's got um, he, Devontae Parker still Devontae there. Parker, thank Albert you. Wilson. His name Albert Wilson. He's got speedsters on that that defense. Great young defense in the league. You saw mm-hmm. what they did to Baltimore. You saw what they did to other teams during that seven game win streak. Mm-hmm. Javon Holland. If it wasn't for Michael Parsons' season, Javon Holland probably could have won Defensive Rookie of the Year this year. Mm-hmm. Emmanuel Agba up front. Uh, getting Van Noy back, having Van Ginkle in the linebacking course. Mm-hmm. He would take over a young defense. And I think having a good defense like that, I think it'd really help him turn into more of that all-around head coach instead mm-hmm. of that offensive mind. Mm-hmm. Minnesota, and the, the next two teams are basically due to their offenses. Uh-huh. Minnesota, 
yeah, he's probably going to lose Cousins in a trade, I think. I think Cousins could either go to Vegas or he could go to – he could be a Denver Bronco next year. I just mm-hmm. think that the Minnesota Vikings are ready to move on from I agree. Cousins. He could take over a young quarterback in the draft, like a Sam Howell, like a Malik Willis, like a Desmond Ritter. They They've even got Kellen Mond. They have Kellen Mond if they if they want to decide to go that route. But you look, he's taken over. You got Thielen, mm-hmm. Jefferson, one of the most electric young receivers in this league. Dalvin Cook, Alexander Madison. He's got a good offense to take over. That defense needs a little bit of work. They've lost a couple big pieces in the last couple of years. Harrison Smith's still there, but he's getting mm-hmm. aging. Eric Hendricks is still there. Anthony Barr, I believe, is still there. Mm-hmm. He's just that's the only thing they maybe they would turn him away from that job. Mm-hmm. The you look at the Raiders, they could be moving on from Derek Carr. It depends on what the next head coach wants to do. They mm-hmm. could be getting Aaron Rodgers or Deshaun Watson to Vegas. Mm-hmm. And that could turn them into an immediate AFC divisional, AFC championship football team. Mm-hmm. You look at the weapons, even you know losing Henry Ruggs, unfortunately, to, to what the unfortunate events that he had go down in, um, in October. Mm-hmm. You still have Josh Jacobs. You still have Zay Jones, Hunter Renfro. You have one of the best tight ends in the league in Darren Waller. You have mm-hmm. a, a young, a, improving offensive line led by Alex Leatherwood uh, from Alabama. Mm-hmm. Uh, Max Crosby's leading your defense. Uh, Divine Diablo had a good rookie season, I think, for the Raiders. Mm-hmm. Uh, the back, the back secondary, they need some work. If you know what, uh, the three teams that I explained, I think Miami would be the best fit for Bianami. I agree, and it's like you said, that defense is already pretty good. He's he doesn't need to make many changes there. Ideally, that would be the best spot for him, and that's the spot I think he would want to go after. It's outside of the division where you're not going to Raiders or Broncos. It's it's not a project team like the Vikings. Mm-hmm. It's a team that just is missing that next piece. And honestly, I'm still kind of shaken up by the firing of Brian uh, Brian Flores. He's you know being talked about going to the Texans. I think that's pretty likely, especially there were rumors of Deshaun Watson getting traded there. You know, Cully did not last even – did he even last this whole season? No, barely. I mean, they so, fired him, like, right after. They barely lasted. So, he was hanging on by the skin of his teeth. We all knew it. He was a yeah. wide receivers coach going into one of the worst organizations, an organization that, you know, had a promising future and pretty much threw it away in a matter of two, three years. So, Brian Flores, he did it already in Miami. He turned Miami around with a couple of trades – he traded some veterans. He traded guys like Minka Fitzpatrick. He traded guys on their line. And in, in about two years, he flipped that team completely to back-to-back years, just narrowly missing the playoffs. If he goes to the Texans and Deshaun Watson then chooses, all right, I don't need to be traded. Or if no other team wants to touch him, because that's also a possibility. If no other team wants to, Everybody forgets that he's still got the, you know, 22 counts of sexual assault that are still mm-hmm. on Deshaun Watson's name. I, who knows if Deshaun Watson suspended football in 2022. He's going to I don't think whenever this case gets resolved, uh-huh. you, you know Goodell is going to throw anywhere from probably a 6 to a 12 game suspension to him, I think. Mm-hmm. And that's why I, if I'm another team, I don't want to touch him. Exactly. If I'm the Texans, I don't want to get rid of him cuz I'm paying him a lot of money. Mm-hmm. It's it seems like he could end up staying there. And if he does and if he plays not Next year or the year after, him and Flores could work out pretty good. I, I really do see Brian Flores going there. I, it's going to suck because he's going to have to flip yet another terrible team, but I know I know, I know. I know he can do it. I and honestly, that he would do it to the Dolphins, to be honest with you. I, mm-hmm. I liked that hire when they, when they hired him in. A lot of people didn't. Mm-hmm. A lot of people thought he was going to be a placeholder. 
mm-hmm. until they got maybe the big shiny name or whatever that would have been coming out in a few years. Uh-huh. Uh, that leaves one team that we haven't mentioned. I know we said we weren't going to talk about all eight teams, but we got going. Mm-hmm. That leaves the lowly New York Giants. Buns. The only team. They have a horrible defense. Mm-hmm. Their offense, they have pieces. They have Kadarius Tony. I really forget mm-hmm. that Kadarius Tony had a pretty good reception Kenny Galladay. before he got injured. Kenny Galladay. Throw him the ball if he can score. He didn't have a touchdown at all this year. Mm-hmm. Um, if Daniel Jones, you got that whole situation, whether you're going to keep him, are you going to let him go? Are you mm-hmm. going to draft somebody else? And then Saquon Barkley. Yeah, and he Barkley finally had one a... of the biggest busts in the last three or four years, and we were all thinking that he was going to be one of the greatest running backs when he came out of Penn State. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, he can't stay healthy, so you can't completely put it on Barkley. But you mm-hmm. also got to put it on the coaching staff. They weren't getting him the ball when he was healthy this year. Uh-huh. Joe Judge was an absolute horrible coach. Uh, Gettleman is finally gone out of that organization. He was one of the worst GMs. Mm-hmm. He, he left a great situation in Carolina to come back to the Giants, where he had success when Eli Manning was there. Uh-huh. And then absolutely turned that team into a dumpster fire. The Maras, the owners of the team, are absolutely horrendous. Mm-hmm. Who's going to be the next unfortunate soul that is going to have to lead this this classless football team, do you think? I, I have no idea. I was looking at Gerard the list. Mayo? That's that's who's in rumors. Uh, I don't think Raheem Morris would ne- necessarily want to go. I there. wouldn't take Raheem Morris out of um, Arizona. No, he's in uh, L.A. Right? Yeah, L.A. I if it's in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Both those guys are rumored. I don't think either of them will end up getting coaching jobs, but I really think whoever takes this Giants job is, I don't know, going to be one of the lower end uh, coaches on the you know. We, we had we never talk- heard of Joe Judge before they hired him. I, I, I think they're going to hire a rando. I think they're going to walk through New York City, and they're going to be like, hey, I'm walking here, and uh, that's what's going to be going down. There's going to be pizza. You know, Chinatown's going to be booming. They're going to look down an alley. They're going to find some man just hanging out. They're, he's homeless. They're like, you know what? We care about homeless people. That's going to be their message. They're going to say, we're going to hire that homeless man because that's how much – we're going to give him a job, and he's going to be their head coach. That's what I really think is going to happen. Uh, Ger- Gerard Mayo would probably be the most likely out of the candidates, but I don't know what's going to happen with this Giants team. They seem to like to pluck guys from the Bill Belichick tree. Uh, that's obviously where uh, <laughs> Joe Judge came from. Maybe they think just because they've beaten the Patriots in two Super Bowls in the past, uh-huh. that they think they could pull any Patriots assistant and turn him into the next Bill Belichick. Matt, Matt Patricia. Maybe, maybe that, maybe that's what they'll do. Maybe they'll hire Matt Patricia. Mm-hmm. Maybe Matt Patricia will be the next coach of the New York Giants, and then we could just feel bad, but at the same time laugh at the Giants organization for mm-hmm. that, how many ever years that he would last there. But uh, definitely a good discussion here. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. You know, that's that's one of the only things I really get excited about, other than the draft when the season ends. Mm-hmm. See who is going to be the new head coaches for these eight teams that are looking to turn the page. I wouldn't per se the Raiders are turning the page. Really, the, the Dolphins aren't turning the page. I think they're on the way. They're just trying to excel into mm-hmm. a contender. But for the other six teams, they're looking to turn the page here. Uh, do you have anything else to say about some of these high coaching vacancies before we uh, conclude? I think you hit it spot on with the Raiders and the Dolphins. They need someone who's just going to come in and build off of what's been built. They don't need a rebuild. They don't need anything like that. Other teams like, you know, Jaguars – <laughs> Jaguars, Bears, those are teams with quarterbacks who, you know, just need to some, you know, help maturing. 
And then the Texans and Giants pretty much need a complete rebuild. The Texans are going to get the better deal if they get Brian Flores. The Giants, like we mentioned, they could hire a homeless person. They could hire a McDonald's worker. They could hire Matt Patricia. Or they could just, you know, they could go and just hire someone random who we've never heard of. Uh, maybe maybe they'll hire what's Bill Belichick's uh, son of sticks his tongue out. Steve, Steve. <laughs> I think he could be the Giants coach sticking his tongue out. He's got the personality for New York, and that's – that's what happens in New York. People go to New York because it's the Big Apple. It's the big stage. They want the attention. New York they want the money. Your dreams. Uh, with the Vikings and Bears, it's going to be interesting because if if in this offseason the Packers trade Rodgers, the Vikings, Vikings and Bears are getting co- new coaches. That doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be bad, but it does take some time to click, usually. <laughs> So, are you trying to tell me the Lions are going to be the favorite in the NFC North? I'm that? just <laughs> saying, if Amaras St. Brown keeps having 100-yard games, keep putting him in the backfield, DeAndre Swift went healthy, you pair him with a receiver like we talked about. Jared Goff surprised me at the end of the year, having an absolute abysmal start to the year, and not to say he's the future, but if if we keep him for next year and let him let someone mature behind him in the draft, get a good pass rusher, our our secondary, if Jeff Okuda has the surprise year, we, we still have hopes for a REA on the other side. The Lions, I'm not saying they're winning the division. I know I said 11 and 5 the year prior, but maybe maybe this year is is uh is the Lions. But maybe the NFC North next year is gonna be one of those divisions like the NFC East always is, where you're gonna mm-hmm. have to win it. You're gonna have to win it at eight and nine or seven and ten. But then you, you, the crazy thing about the formatting is you, it, it, whether you win seven games or you win uh-huh. 12 games to win the division, you're hosting a home playoff game at least one. It's just crazy. All right. That is going to wrap it up here for episode number 90 of Dylan Al Talk NFL. Thank you guys, as always, for listening and supporting. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. We are getting closer and closer to the end of the NFL season, figuring out who is going to be our Super Bowl champion. Always a sad time to see football ending as we only have three more Sundays of NFL football. But something to look forward to, obviously, we just mentioned all these high coaching vacancies opening. Free agency is going to be coming up mm-hmm. here in March. A lot of big names on the market. As we get closer to free agency, we'll, we'll break down some of our top five, top ten uh, free agents going into the season. And then always, as always, it's my favorite time of the season, draft talk. Mm-hmm. We're going to be coming up right – I think right after the week after the Super Bowl, I think we're going to start with our top fives again. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited. I've already started watching some uh, some highlight tapes on guys, on prospects and whatnot, looking at mock drafts. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a really exciting time. You know, like I said, it's sad when football season ends. You know, the games end. But football mm-hmm. season really never ends uh, mm-hmm. in my eyes. All right. Uh, do you have anything else to say before we get out of here? No. I'm looking forward to, you know, maybe Stafford winning his second playoff game. But more more than that, we're getting close to the best game of the uh, football season and, of course, I don't mean the Super Bowl. I mean the Pro Bowl, man. It's, oh, man, yeah. Las Vegas is having the Pro Bowl. I've been seeing a lot of commercials for it the last couple of weeks. They're, they're really trying to hype this Pro Bowl up this year. Maybe it's not going to work. Maybe the NFL finally realized that it's an absolute piece of dog crap and they need some more advertising and maybe to make it a little bit more interesting. Definitely. But uh, the big game's coming up in what, three, four weeks? Three weeks, February the 13th. It's pushed uh, back a week, obviously, with the um, – Extra week added on to the end of the season. But mm-hmm. uh but thank you guys as always for listening and we will talk to you next week for episode number ninety one.